The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. captain of our destiny, Lord Jesus. In every life, in this place, every life journals by the internet, do that which eyes have not seen. Let every destiny bloom and blossom and let your name and your name alone be glorified. All right, glory we give unto you. All right, glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Okay, so today, by the grace of God, we are looking at a child to the rescue. A child to the rescue. Many times with God, we expect him to move in one direction, but God moves in another direction. We expect God to walk in a certain way to bring about our deliverance, but God appears to have a mind of his own. <laughs> this is a gross understatement, actually. You know, but... We, as human beings, I mean, years ago, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I, I would pray about something and I would say to God, you know what, um, you can do it this way. In, in case you don't know how or which way, let me give you some ideas. You can, you can try this or do this, just choose one, you know. <laughs> and those days, I can tell you, none of those, it goes none of my ideas. So every time I have to be on my face trusting God, he does it, but he does it in his own way. He does it in his own way. And it makes us uncomfortable as human beings because we like to be in control, at least of our lives. And every time you see public opinion strong in a certain direction, my pastor used to say to me, Late pastor used to say to me, and it's so true, I found it to be true, that for me, every time you see the world going in one direction, God is in the other direction. Check every time. Every time you see the world strong in one direction, God is going in the other way. But unfortunately, we are influenced largely by trends and by things. When Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, when they fell, God had an idea. And his idea was not Adam's idea. Adam's idea was first to cover himself with fig leaves. God says, "Mm -mm." he replaced the fig leaves with the skin of a lamb that he killed himself, signifying the lamb of God that will be slain. And he said to the serpent, the seed of this woman will bruise your head. 
the child of this woman will bring salvation. So when God wanted to solve the problem of humanity, God sent a child to the rescue. Imagine maybe an estate is held under siege by maybe armed robbers and, and you call for help and Nigeria's army, they sent um, a toddler in diapers just shows up at your estate and says, I've come to rescue you guys. It sounds and looks ridiculous. And that is exactly how the birth of a baby to save the world from sin. I have friends that struggle with this concept of how can a virgin, you know, say, you are intelligent. You mean you believe this uh, this uh, fable? I said, what fable? That a virgin actually conceived? Do you really believe it? I said, yes. Are you not using your brain? <laughs> God doesn't think like we think and he doesn't do what we expect him to do. He do what he wants to do. And many times, God works in the most unusual ways. He sends a child to the rescue. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, Isaiah 9 6, it says, for a child is born to us. For unto us a child is born. A son is given to us. Unto us a son is given. And the next statement is huge. The government will rest on its shoulders. The responsibility of governance, the responsibility of human leadership will rest upon the shoulder of this child. And it will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace we are looking for is just in alignment with the right government. Unfortunately, we think if we can vote in the right person, then all the problems, the, the, the queues will come to an end. We'll have patrols in our, in, our, in our cars, and it's good for the queues to come to an end. Don't get me wrong. The, the poverty will come to an end. It's good for the poverty to come to an end. All our problems we come to an end. We are just waiting for 2019 for those of us in Nigeria. But you see, the government will not be upon any politician. It's good to have good governance, don't get me wrong, but the peace of your heart can only come when you are aligned with the government of the Prince of Peace. Praise the name of the Lord. Absolutely. So if you bring up that scripture again, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The government will rest upon the shoulders of this child. So God sees the potential of the child, not the frame of the child. God always speaks to potential. God looks at a seed and he sees a forest. God looks at a seed and he sees a forest. God always 
always speaks to potential. Always speaks to potential. God looks at you and says, greatness resides in you. Praise the name of the Lord. And many of us can't even wrap our minds around that. But God is saying, greatness resides in you. And you're like, how? Like Gideon in Judges 6. Judges 6 from verse 12. And the angel said, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero. Now, this is, this must be ridiculous by human standard. Gideon was a coward, if you will. He was hiding. He was stretching with in in, 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 it was, it was grinding wheat in a threshing floor. You know, it was, it was pretending. It was, in a, it was hiding his, his, his harvest because the Midianites will come and they will consume the harvest of the Jews. Now, God shows up, sends his angel, and the angel did not say, you coward of Manasseh, I will raise you into a mighty man of valor. If God has said that, that would be realistic. But God did not say that. God looked at Gideon, who was a coward, who was hiding, and God says, mighty hero. That mighty hero means mighty man of war, mighty man of valor, the victor, the champion. God looks at someone hiding, and God calls him a champion. You may be hiding this morning. God is calling you a champion. It may not add up, but God is saying, Champion, champion, BC, whatever your name is. God is calling you a champion, and the Lord is with you. And Gideon says, Look, don't deceive me, Oga, sir. If the Lord is with us, why do we have to queue for five hours for petrol? If the Lord is with us, why are we struggling with? Things we should not be struggling with. If the Lord is with us, why are we still grappling with things that have been solved hundreds of years ago? Why are we still struggling with malaria? Did you know malaria was totally eradicated from the United States of America a hundred years ago? It's, it's not rocket science. So why, do you know people are still dying in malaria, of malaria rather, in Nigeria today? If the Lord is with us, why are we struggling? Why is this thing happening to us? And where are all the miracles that the pastors tell us about, that we read in the Bible, that our fathers tell us about? Where are all the miracles? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now God abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, uh, his, his, again, it's ridiculous. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. God did not say, okay, you know what? Go and get a PhD or go and, and get some military training. Go to NDA. Go to, to and get some, some SEALs training. Go to learn how to shoot a gun. Go to learn how to fly a flight jet and I will deliver Israel. God is saying, this same strength that you are hiding in in, in, in the threshing floor. Go in that strength and I will bring you victory. So God looks at a seed and sees a forest. God is looking at you. You feel defeated and deflated and God is saying you are a champion. 
Not you will be a champion. That you are a champion. And like Gideon, they're like, Lord, this doesn't look like champion stuff. And God is saying, you are a champion. So why does God look at a seed and cause a forest? Why? Why does he? God sees a forest in a tree, in a seed, because he put it there. He put it there. God sees the champion in you because he put that champion in you. God sees a strong man of God, a strong woman of God in you because he put it there. So when he's saying, when he's calling you champion, it's not wishful thinking, it's not a motivational talk, it's not just trying to make you feel good, it's not just trying to pep you up, it's actually telling you who you are. Champion. Praise the name of the Lord. That's, 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 that's big, champion. So, you can look at your neighbor and just say, champion. God always sends a child to the rescue. God sends a child to the rescue. And if you look at how God works, even if you consider the kingdom of God, Mark 10, the Mark 10, the word of God says that one day some parents brought the children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded them. The parents for bothering Jesus. When Jesus saw what was going on, happening, he was angry with his disciples, you know, and said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you, Jesus said, the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter into it. Then he took the children into his hands, placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God as a child cannot enter into it. The kingdom of God is the answer to all the problems of humanity. You know that. God expects you to bring his kingdom into your family, into your business, into your career, into your environment, eventually into your nation. But God is saying, except you are like a little child, you cannot even receive this kingdom. So, so, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. God sent a child to bring you into his kingdom. And you cannot receive this kingdom except you become like a child. 
That's what Jesus is saying. It took a child to bring the kingdom, Jesus. And it takes us becoming like a child to receive that kingdom that God has for us. I don't know why God always works like that, but that's how he works. God takes the most the basest things and it takes glory out of it. God wants to solve a problem. He uses the simplest things and he solves the problem. A child to the rescue. There's a a story I, I heard listening to a radio program, an internet radio service, Moody Radio um, program. And the presenter was talking about how a mother in the streets of Chicago, I mean, there's a lot of gun crime, shooting crimes in Chicago. And the mom, I don't know, got into an altercation with another woman. I don't know, maybe about drugs, over a man, or whatever you. And the other woman pulled it a gun and was going to shoot this woman and her son maybe like nine years old jumped and covered his mom and the woman offloaded the bullets on the boy I don't know how many shots and the boy died the woman ran away and the mother was saved and because of that experience The mother found Christ. Today she's born again. She's living a clean life. And she's following God. If she dies today, she goes to heaven. But for that to happen, a child needed to come to the rescue. The boy gave his life for the mother. The boy saw that this shot, it was, and he couldn't think it was like this. You know, boys and their mothers, I don't know what is between them. <laughs> There's some chemistry that is between <laughs> boys and their mothers. Like daughters and their fathers. Have you noticed? <laughs> it, it is almost, you can't, you can't just talk about my daddy like that. She will take a bullet without thinking. He would take a bullet. So, this child threw himself, covered the mom, paid the ultimate price, and rescued the mom. But did you know that was what Jesus did for us? That's what Jesus did for us. He came, the, the judgment is upon the world already. The bullets are coming. And Jesus came and covered you and I. And took the bullets. And died in our place. That's what Jesus did. The same way the mother responded. We have to respond. If somebody died for you. It could have been you. You, She carried that boy in the pool of blood. Knowing that there is no greater love. 
There's no man that can love her like this boy. There's no greater love than for someone to lay his life down for you. So why does God use children? Or why does he, why does God, yeah, use children, use the children in quote, the weak, use the vulnerable? Why does he use the innocent? Why does he use the unassuming? Why does God use the things that are weak in this world? Three things, three reasons why, why I think he does from scriptures. There may be more. The three reasons. Why does God use the things that don't even make sense to us? They are foolishness to us. But that's the wisdom of God. Why does God do that? Number one, God uses children because children have absolute trust. Children have absolute trust. Absolute. Absolute trust. Absolute. And God wants us to trust him. God doesn't want us to to leave this place worrying about anything. If you read verse 14 of the Mark 10 that we read earlier on, Mark 10 from verse 14, it, it was talking about how if you are not like the little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. 14. The scripture is there. No need to struggle. It's there. Next one. <clears throat> For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children. So, children trust God like that. They just trust God. And they just trust their children, their, their parents. Just like that. If, if a father says to his son, jump, what does the, ch- the child do? He jumps. If, if the boy is on the story building, I'm not saying you should try it. If you have a toddler that's particularly those that are adventurous, I know they're different temperaments, and it stands on, on a story building, and you're downstairs, and he says, Daddy, can I jump? If you say jump, what do you think the child will do? He, he won't even think. Because Daddy can do anything. But when they start growing old, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> now they can't do everything. <laughs> so they begin to use their own brains. If you tell them to jump, they say, hey, are you sure? <laughs> Should I jump? But children trust totally. And God uses children because children, quote unquote, because of the absolute trust. If God is going to use you today, you have to trust God. You have to trust God completely if God is going to use you. You have to just trust him. It doesn't have to make sense. God says jump, jump. Just trust God. Just trust God. Again, I can tell you stories and stories of my life. Just follow God. Just fall. He said we should do it. We We are just doing it. But pastor, it doesn't make sense. I know. But we are just doing it. We are just following the flow. We are following the Lord. Oh, it's hard. I know, but we are following the Lord. We should be without any care or, or worries and just follow God. Matthew 6, Jesus was talking about a big and significant lesson of the kingdom. 
And he's saying that that is why I tell you don't worry about everyday life. Don't worry. Oh, it's Christmas. I don't have a new clothes. Oh, this Christmas the children don't have new shoes. Oh, we are not going to eat um, or father rice. I don't even know the rice that's I don't write her in different grades. I don't know me. I just eat anyone. Uh, there's, there's no chicken. You know? We have to just do um, food without any animal in it. God is saying whether you have enough food or drink, don't worry. Don't worry about if you have enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more important than food? And your body more than clothing? Just look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in bands. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? God is saying you are far more valuable than the birds of the air. Yet they don't plant. Yet they don't harvest. And they are full. God is saying, don't you think I will feed you? I like hanging out with children a lot. I like adults too. I'm a pastor. But if I'm to choose one, I will hang out more with children. Because they don't have problems. They don't beef you. If you offended them yesterday, today they've forgotten. Pastor, I flogged one child really hard. I gave her some real koboko. The following day, she came to me, she was all give me. If it was an adult. <laughs> For one month. <laughs> you know, children are just like that. But one there are a lot of differences that I've noticed between children and adults, because I play with the two groups. One major major difference between the child and the adult is this. Every of those children, they actually believe they are valuable. But that's not the case with the adults. There are a lot of adults that think their life is worthless, that think they don't, meet, they don't matter. But every child, guess what? It doesn't matter how rich the parents are. I play with all kinds of children. Children whose parents are struggling heavily financially, I pray with children whose parents have a lot of money. Guess what? It's the same. They, they both don't care about anything. They f- both feel what they have value. If you see how they carry themselves, if you see how they talk about them, if, the, the way they talk about their parents that don't have money. And God is saying, I'm your father. I'm your father. Don't you think you are more valuable than this? So, a fundamental difference is children naturally feel they are valuable. Naturally feel they are valuable. Naturally. Naturally feel they are valuable. Uh, Praise the name of the Lord. This can all 
your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the valleys they, and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing yet. Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Look at your neighbor and say, God will certainly care for you. He will certainly, without fail, care for you. Our challenge is that as adults, one of the things we learn with responsibility is we like to own the outcomes of our, the events of our lives. But there are certain times that you just need to do your best and leave the outcome to Jesus. You cannot control the outcomes of your life. You have followed God. You have served God. Things happened. It is what it is. Just move on with your life. But the, the, the problem with us is we try so hard to control the outcomes of our lives. We should trust the outcomes. The children always trust the outcomes of their lives to maybe their daddy or their mommies. They don't care about school fees. Have you noticed? The church does not care about school fees. They just give you the, the teller at home. They put this in my bag today and goes out to play. It's you. You are, you are sweaty. <laughs> you know? You know? So, as ch- we need to learn from those children that to leave the burden of outcomes to Jesus. He's our father. They leave the burden of outcomes to us. We should learn to leave the burden of outcomes to who? To Jesus. To Jesus. So, why does God use children? Number one, because come on. Absolute trust. Why does God use children? Number two, to confound the enemy. Sometimes God just want to bamboozle the enemy. Just want to show the enemy that he's nothing. Just to show the enemy that is absolutely nothing. In Psalm 8 verse 2, Psalm 8 verse 2, it says, From the mouth and souls of, of infants and toddlers, the most innocent, you have decreed power to stop your adversaries and quash those who seek revenge. God can bring help from unexpected sources. God can help you. God used a bird. In fact, they tell us that that bird, the ravens, is the very stingy bird. The bird is one strange bird. All other birds feed their young. You know that. All other young birds, they go, they, they take something, they come and give their, their young in the nest. The raven, they say, is the only bird that leaves his young to starve to death. And it's a carnivorous bird. So, it's, it's, it's flesh. So, God 
used a raven that eats flesh that will not feed his own children to feed Elijah. <laughs> that is just unbelievable. So we just read, ravens brought him food. Ravens, ravens, they are the most unlikely source. And sometimes, because life is not a straight line, things happen to us. We get battered, we lose stuff. But the mistake we make is that because we have lost things, we think that we have no hope. Sometimes we don't say it, but the way we carry on, it's as if we don't have hope. It's as if we are hopeless. We think life has come to an end. Even this year, sometimes, some of us, we look back at this year. We have a few days left in this year. We feel like we've lost opportunities. There are things that you think you've lost. And if you focus enough on the things you have lost, you become disturbed. You become hopeless. But you see, I have news for you today. And what's the news? The news I have for you is your miracle is not in what you've lost. Your miracle is in what you have left. Your destiny is not in what you have lost. I've lost a spouse. I've lost a wife. I've lost an husband. I've lost a child. I've lost a job. I've lost, I've lost, I've lost. Listen, listen, listen. Your destiny is not in what has gone. Say, but pastor, is that even scriptural? Can you, I trust what you are saying, but can you just buttress it with scriptures? Yes, I will. (laughs) Elijah and the widow, after the ravens, God told him to go to Zarephath, right? And Elijah got there and said, oh, I'm mixing the story, the the cruise of oil. He got to the widow, the wife of the prophet, the widow of the prophet, and said to, to her, okay, you know what? You have this problem. You have lost a lot. You've lost your husband. You have lost your wealth. You have lost your... I mean, the husband was the covering, was the provider, was the protector. You know, back in those days, women are just, were just so vulnerable and all that. She, she's lost everything. Now, the creditors have come to take her sons. Our only hope. So, this woman was practically hopeless. And Elijah said to her, what do you have in the house? And the woman said, look, Oga, there is nothing. I've lost everything. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. And Elijah said, listen, God doesn't leave anyone empty. Everybody has something. The things you have lost, they are gone. But if your future was in the things you have lost, you would not have lost them. Let me rewind. <laughs> if, listen, if your destiny was in the people that walked out of your life, they would not have walked out of your life. The fact that they were able to The fact that they were able to walk out means they are not part of the next chapter. That's it. It's very simple. The the, the fact that they were able to walk out means that chapter has closed. 
Another one is about to begin. Can you believe God for a great future? Say, but pastor, you don't understand. Oh, take, go, take back to the story of the widow. This is all I have. She's he's my husband. He's my covering. There's no one else. You know, since we grew up together, we're rolling tires on the streets. Now he is gone. And when Elijah insisted, there's something you have. <laughs> the widow says, hey, okay. He left a cruise of oil. He didn't have money, but he has oil. You know, as a prophet, even if you don't have money, make sure you have oil. Uh, it's a bad thing not to have money and not to have oil. It's double jeopardy. <laughs> anyway, the people that didn't get that have gotten that. He has oil. And the, like I said, that is what I'm talking about. That oil, do this with it. And your life will change. And she obeyed. There are some people, sabi sabi people. You tell them, do this. You go and do something else. You know sabi sabi people now. Then they will come back and say, oh, hey, but I did what you say you should do. But, I say, there we go again. But, obedience is better than sacrifice. And the oil changed our story. The question to you today is this. Are you willing to be a child in the hands of God and let God change your story? Let God use you as the weak vessel to confound the world. Are you willing? In 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1, the word of God says that this is how God works. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless so that he can shame those who are powerful. That is how God works. God uses the people or the things that are weak to confound the wise. Are you weak today? You're the right candidate for God's miracle. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you think you are at a disadvantage? Welcome to greatness. Do you think that in your community, nobody look, respects you or anything? You have nothing to offer. The question is, are you going to make yourself available to God? Are you going to let God take control of your life and turn you into a miracle? He uses the things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. Verse 28. 1 Corinthians 1 28. says, God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Someone says, when you think you are down to nothing, then God is up to something. Praise the name of the Lord. When you think you are down to nothing, God is up. Do you think nothing is happening in your life? God is up to something. Do you think you are down to nothing this morning? My job is to announce to you that God is up to something. 
God is up to something. And that something is going to confound the whole world. It's going to confound the powerful people. It's going to confound the people that think they are wise in their own. And it's going to give glory to God. So which is the third thing? So number one, why does God use children? One is what? Absolute trust in him. Number two, why does God use children? To confound the enemy. And number three, why does God use children? Would be so that he alone takes the glory. So that he alone takes the glory. So if after you have done all your own strategizing and you know, when you are ready, you go to God. <laughs> you say, are you ready now? Uh-huh. Then when it's done, he alone takes the glory. But the challenge with us is we stay a long time in our own strength when God wants us to move into his peace. There are things in our lives that God wants to do that other people will look at you and say, ah, God must have helped you. We learned about Mr. Nico on Wednesday. Remember Mr. Nico? If you were here, if you were not here at Tribe, I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell you who Mr. Nico is. Can't <laughs> get the city. Mr. Nico, in John 3, John 3, from verse 2, Mr. Nico came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God is not with him. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that the people that are even antagonistic against you will come to you and say, God is with you. Nicodemus belonged to a sect of, they call them the Sanhedrin. And he belonged to another sect called the Pharisees. Those two sects were so anti-Christ. They eventually physically killed him. Nicodemus came from that group and said to Jesus, we know, who are we? The, the ruling body, the Sanhedrin. We, the Pharisees, we know that God is with you. Because nobody can do the things that you are doing if God is not with them. I pray that God will work in your life, that people will say, these things that is happening in your life, God must be with you. Yeah. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, it's, it's one thing to do something and people can say, oh, uh-huh. you know, he's an intelligent lady. She's an intelligent lady. He's an intelligent man. He can, you know, and they, we can't even see where, where is the supernatural. It's possible to go to, to school and get a first class. It's, I mean, please, by all means, get a first class. But God will do beyond where your first class can take you. In the name of Jesus. You know, I was sitting around my wife and I went to visit a friend of mine. We were school together. <laughs> Yesterday night after the carol service. And when we you know, like at the time, <laughs> when they say, let my people go, is the chairman of let my people go. <laughs> people that didn't even they, no honors, no, as in, no talk class, nothing. You just say, go. Just go. Pass. You know? So we went to, to his house yesterday. 
we're eating um, <laughs> what are we eating again? Um, <laughs> pork barbecue with some very nice, you know. God has helped him. <laughs> I looked at him. I looked at his house. Uh, God has helped him. So, the fact that he didn't even make a third class, and God helped him to that height in life, God will help you. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. God will help. And he was, he was telling everybody, oh, this was my classmate, my mind. I'm like, God has helped this guy. <laughs> it is God that has helped him. He's intelligent, but in our class, we say the intelligent ones. Even in the playing, he doesn't even play a lot. Like he doesn't know, how to, doesn't have mouth. He doesn't know how to, doesn't know how to spin a babe. He doesn't know how to. Is <laughs> is just. He follows guys that can do that. He's just follow, follow guy. But yesterday, I saw his house. I saw the things. I said, God has helped this man. God will help you. <laughs> Meanwhile, I know somebody else. I made the first class. The, the group is contributing to help him financially. One man received help. I don't know if the other one didn't receive or rejected the help. I pray that you will not reject help yeah. from heaven in the name of Jesus. Yeah. When God wants to help you, I pray you will not turn it down. Yeah. It is so important that you realize that God wants to take the glory. God wants to what? He wants to take the glory. In Judges 6 that we read, Verse 12. It says, But the Lord, but Lord, Gideon replied. Sorry, no, that's correct. 15, sorry. Am I wrong? How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe. Can you see? It's, it's saying, out of the whole tribe of Manasseh, my tribe is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. Now, Manasseh itself is what. Is a weak tribe, put on unquote. It's a half tribe that God promoted. You know, when you're talking about tribes, Manasseh, you know, is not primary. But this, this clan is the weakest in that weak tribe. And he is the least of his family. Of his entire family. He is the least. I don't know what position they have put you, but God is going to make you the head. In the name of Jesus. Say amen, well. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. May God be with you. And I will destroy the Midianites as if they were, you were fighting against one man. And that is the key. God says to Gideon, I will be with you. Why? I will be with you because I will take the glory. I will take the glory. When you read 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29 this time, God chose the despised things of the world and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Verse 29, why does God do all these things? As a result, he does all these things so that no one can ever boast 
in the presence of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. I, I kid you not. God, that I can stand before you today and, and I'm preaching. God can use anybody you. I can tell you for a fact. Go ask my mom. If I can be the one preaching today, God can use anybody. I wasn't the one that should be the preacher. <laughs> Honestly. I'm not even extroverted. I'm an introvert. But naturally, a lot of people don't know that. My wife is the extrovert. But they think I'm the extrovert and she's the introvert. Wait until you see us in our element. <laughs> she's the one that we... <laughs> You will beg before you go. She will talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> and me, I'll just be one corner reading a book. <laughs> I shouldn't be the one before you preaching. God uses the weakest things. Totally unqualified. I didn't go to Bible college. In fact, yeah, I went to Bible college. I did two days in Bible college. I dropped out. I'm a Bible college dropout. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, 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 I love knowledge. I don't, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with Bible college. Don't get me wrong. But I, 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 I just sat down there and like, what? I'm not, I, I, I was struggling with it. I couldn't fit in. I said, well, so I absconded. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The lecturers tried to get me back, but to the glory of God, they want me to come and lecture in that Bible college. <laughs> the same Bible college I have studied. But I've dodged that one also. <laughs> I've not gone. I won't go. God has not sent me. <laughs> I go where God has sent me. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, the least qualified but God uses the weak things. I met one of my classmates, another of my classmates at one of the malls, university together. He said to his wife, he said, this is my former classmate. He said, we used to be in school together. Now this is a pastor. You see why I can't go to any church? I can't go to church because if this one can be a pastor, <laughs> I can't go. I'm not going to church. And he says that's why he's not going to church. Now when he's money, you, money, you, money man, pastor, oh, yeah. he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe. Tomorrow, he sees me. Maybe he has changed now. I don't know. He says to his wife, that's why I don't go to church. That's, can she see why he doesn't go to church? Someone like this can be a pastor. So, God can use. Do you think you're a write-off? You think you're so bad? When you hear other people's story and how God used them, you know that God can use you. God can change your story. Not only can I pray that God will change your story. And he alone will get the glory in the name of Jesus. In second, first Corinthians, no, no, I'll move from there. Philippians 2. 
Philippians 2 or 5, he says that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What's this attitude that Jesus had? Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was anything to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He says, when we appear, when he appeared, Jesus, in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. Therefore, God has elevated him, highly exalted him to a place of highest honor and given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's all about the glory of God the Father. Why will God change your life and use you as the child to the rescue about the glory of God the Father? Why will God use you to change the story of your family, of your lineage? Why will God start a new work, a new generation through you because of the glory of God the Father? But if you look at Jesus, the word of God says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Jesus humbled himself. He became a child. He was God, but he left his throne. He didn't hold on to his privileges. Jesus, could, he had privileges. In fact, at Gethsemane, he said to, to Peter, don't you think I can command angels and they will come? And he could, but he didn't use it. He didn't use it. Many times, if you check the areas of your life that God is not getting glory, maybe you are holding on to your privileges. Maybe. Check. Check. Maybe you are not being the child that God wants you to be. Maybe you are not being that trusting child that's letting go that God wants you to. Jesus didn't have to come as a, as a man. He could have come as a full-grown adult. Do you know that? He didn't have to come as a baby. Jesus could have come as a full-grown adult. Adam was not a baby. Adam just, boom. Who created Adam? Jesus. Why can't he come as a full-grown adult? He chose to come as a baby. Helpless. They were carrying him all up and he was a refugee. They were running from country to country. Sleeping with, with goats and, 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 and camels. Then he became a man. He didn't have to die. He humbled himself and died. He didn't have to die. Jesus did not have to die. Not all men die. Some of us will not die. We will see Jesus and we will be raptured. I pray I'm available, I'm alive at that time. Some of us will not die. Enoch did not die. Elijah did not die. Jesus is greater than Enoch and Elijah. But Jesus chose to die. He didn't have to die the death of the cross. He could live to be 120 and lie peacefully on his bed and go. But he chose to die the most shameful death available in the history of mankind. Crucifixion. 
God exalted him. And it all began with Jesus choosing to trust God completely. Jesus choosing not to hold on to his own privileges. So, if I'm to wrap up the whole thing, what I'm saying or what God is saying to you this morning is this. If you will trust God absolutely this morning, like a child, he, God, will use you to confound the enemy and the world and he alone will take the glory. If you will trust God absolutely as a child. What area are you struggling with if you will trust God absolutely as a child? Is it your finances if you will trust God absolutely as a child? As a child. See the tithing issue. God wants you to pay your tithe. If you are not a child, you can never pay tithe after a certain amount. You begin to, to say, eh? So what's going to happen? Eh? Okay. Okay. I can see. I can see. You take it back. You've taken your finances back. You are the God of your finances. Then you will see what will happen at the end of the day. Then you cry back to God. God is always merciful and magnanimous. But the question is, why must you go through that route? Why? It doesn't make sense. Praise the name of the Lord. What area will you be the child if you would trust God? Is it your health? Is it your marriage? If you would trust God, must you always win the argument? Can't you just trust God and shut up? Just keep your mouth shut. Try it. It works like a camel queen. Just trust him. Because Jesus is alive, you can face tomorrow. Because he's alive. Simply because he's alive. Trust him. Just trust him. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone. Because I know.
Mercy. 